So maybe you were sitting there putting the dots together, or so you thought, and you thought, wait a minute, was this planned? No, couldn't have been. Couldn't have been, no, no, that's, that's just too crazy. I'm, I'm just, I'm imagining things here, that couldn't be it. Was it truly a pandemic or was it a plandemic? Was something planned here? Were the conspiracy theorists right? Could this all really be happening? No, I, I keep being told by the mainstream media, everything's fine. But still, I'm seeing things and I'm doubting myself. Mark Fulmer, thank you for joining Shabbat Night Live again. We're talking about your book, The Wuhan Incident. This is, you know, making, this whole thing has made people second guess themselves, wondering whether they're crazy or if they're right, but no one believes them. Friends and family are ostracizing them and there's this divide over this whole issue of what happened at Wuhan. So you are a bioterrorism expert. We've had a couple of episodes so far. So how do you see this as a plandemic? Was it really a plandemic or are we just over-exaggerating here and there's a bunch of coincidences? Plandemic is an incredible apt description uh, for all this that unfolded before our eyes since 2020. And, and Scott, I couldn't come up with a, a better word for that. I know that there is a documentary out there, but it's right spot on the target. Because, That's uh, Mickey Willis, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I can tell you, one of the things that I, I often get individuals ask me the question, says, well, did you very early on see all that was being planned and the sense of the deep state and where all this was going? I have to say, as a young epidemiologist, I didn't see the whole picture until many years later. Uh, one of the, my tasks in bioterrorism preparedness uh, was to write response plans. Uh, I'd written over two dozen response plans in my career with local uh, agencies, uh, working with uh, subject matter experts from various areas and state, uh, federal, uh, county, local emergency management. I started out my career from, from moving from public health epidemiology into bioterrorism working. I was a senior planner, worked up to being a senior emergency response planner uh, for what they call bioterrorism preparedness. And then uh, from there before I went and moved into management, I uh, provided oversight for plants. <clears throat> Very early in my career, one of the first tasks it came across my desk was to begin writing, begin developing a global pandemic response plan. I said, okay, well, we'll put together a, uh, a group of subject matter experts from various disciplines. We'll begin doing the research and we will write a, um, you know, a pandemic response plan, not a problem. Just like everything, and, every other yeah, response yeah. plan. Again, writing plans, you, you write plans for various scenarios you hope would not happen, and at least in your lifetime, not while you're at the helm. And uh, so very early on, there was interest in writing these plans. Uh, the way it works in emergency management, Scott, is this. Um, you have... Uh, various, um, you write, you do the planning, but you also do what's called exercises. You do emergency response exercises. What an exercise is in the realm of emergency management, it's where we uh, begin taking a, usually a fictional scenario, 
And out of that scenario and worst case basis, we begin developing, uh, like rolling out the actors on a stage or in a play, we begin saying how things go from bad to worse. And plans are written all the time. They're written for earthquake, uh, disaster preparedness, everything from flooding to tornadoes, to you name Every active shooter plans for mass shootings. There's a plan written uh, behind that. Well, in the planning, emergency planning realm, you do the exercise. You exercise, you bring all the players in and write, Writing a play, you have what they call, they're driven by what is known as injects. Every exercise scenario has an inject, meaning there's an artificial, uh, this, this fictional narrative <clears throat> that's created that you want to exercise your preparedness, emergency response capability. So I learned very on, we utilize templates. They were called HSEEP, which standard for Homeland Security Exercise Evaluation Protocols. And they were driven by federal government, rolled out on a local level. And uh, so now I was being asked to develop not only planning for pandemic response, but also to be engaged in conducting exercises. Uh, in North Texas, we received millions of dollars of funding from various sources, a federal level, uh, CDC, um, and also uh, such institutions uh, like John Hopkins University. John Hopkins uh, is a central player in pandemic global response and then a third individual whom we received funding for uh, these exercises was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Well, that's curious. Which they rolled out <laughs> millions of dollars into developing these exercise injects that would actually, they would be uh, facilitated to every local level of government, uh, federal, and state agencies of government. So here I was, I, I, I recall, we're going to conduct one of the largest, this is 2013. And remember what was also happening in 2013. We had the discovery of these beta coronaviruses that Dr. Shiz Angley was experimenting with in, in quite fascination. So kind of look at also what was going on. We're receiving rollout and funding to conduct these are huge exercises, by the way, multi-million dollar exercises. So I remember some of the very first pandemic response exercises we were conducting in a joint emergency operations center. I can't disclose the location or details, but in this emergency operations center, it was state of the art. We had uh, these virtual monitors that we had representatives from the CDC, World Health Organization, NIH, and I, my job was to moderate this exercise, Scott, and follow the playbook. What we call the playbook and exercise in emergency management is called a situation manual. We also call it the sit rep manual. And so we follow that like the actors on the stage. So we're in the command center, we have law enforcement, we have medical, we have hospitals, and we're rolling out this exercise. And guess what? It's based upon this inject, this scenario, a novel virus that 
comes out of China and creates this global catastrophic global pandemic. I mean, you can't make this up. And this is years before the COVID pandemic. So this almost sounds like, write me a play so that I can put actors in it and make it happen. Exactly. So we have this script that we're following. So I'm sitting at this Joint Emergency Operations Center, and here I am moderating, coordinating this exercise. It's a multi-agency coordination exercise. And out of it, here we're following these injects. So we have the novel virus from China creating a global pandemic. From there, we begin following what we call emergency response protocols that we should take in regard to this pandemic. And they are as follows. First of all, lockdowns. Secondly, isolation and quarantine protocols. Thirdly, we began looking at the rollout of a mandatory vaccine that's going to be given to the population in order to save the world. And fourthly, we even had this. We had what we call a public information officers. They were subject matter experts in news and media, and they were telling us how to craft um, the press releases and, and also how to fight against disinformation campaigns. Wow, by hmm. censorship. You believe this was going on back in 2013 when this happened. I had a colleague of mine turn to me and said, now wait a minute, this is the United States of America. This would happen maybe in the third world country. It would never happen here. And I remember I kind of chuckled at me. I, I grinned at my colleague and saying, you know what? They're giving us all this money to conduct these exercises and to write a plan. So we're just going to do that. We're gonna follow along the lines of the script. Little did I know, Scott, that what was being said on the stage and what would follow, this would be the greatest pandemic mm. that would ever come on the scene. Now, some people might say, okay, Mark, that's, that's a little exaggeration because, okay, so it came from China. Well, that's just a coincidence. And then your plan sounds like such a good plan that yes, you know, in order to not create panic, we were gonna tell the media to say these things. There should be lockdowns, there should be this, there should be that. Of course, we were just following the plan that we asked you to write. And so, success, something happened and your plan worked, congratulations. So, I mean, what do you say to that? Where it's like, well, we were just following your advice and, and it worked, great, thank you. It wasn't a pandemic at all. You know, in my response to that, Scott, is, and I did write a plan, by the way. I did write, uh, we had a, I put together right after the exercise, uh, we, we had what was called after action reporting. Uh, which we had to vet ourselves through looking at the process. How can we do this better? This work happens in our local state, in our local jurisdictions. And uh, But one of the things I didn't realize what taking place, that this was only at the forefront of what was going to be rolled out over the next seven to eight years. Every This would actually start the development of global international exercises. Yeah, I could tell you, I was on the inside of what was happening on the state and national level, 
But there were also exercises that were being conducted. They had incredible, every one of them each year, had incredible uh, amount of detail that is so similar to the COVID pandemic and what we had experienced. It's amazing, and you know, it's like you can't make this up when you begin reading uh, such uh, things like Clade X uh, was one, again, a novel virus from China. Uh, this time, we begin practicing protocols for uh, lockdowns and isolation and quarantine and even epidemiological tracking. Every year after that, from 2013 on to right up to 2019, there were these pandemics that were these pandemic response exercises uh, to the point that uh, agencies were created for the CDC, the NIH, uh, EcoHealth Alliance that focused upon uh, global pandemic response. Millions of dollars were being poured in to the coffers to support exercises and to support planning way ahead of the curve. And this came to the point we had organizations like the World Health Organization. They were also uh, being involved with moderating these exercise injects, uh, CLADEX, and then later on, Event uh, 101. Uh, there was just uh, all of it again, and with more and more detail, more and more um, information being released in the exercises, up until one of the largest exercises that was conducted in the spring, late spring, early summer of 2019, the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation had conducted uh, these exercises, and they were in incredible detail to discuss all of those elements, which I just talked to you about, what we need to do, and especially the focus upon the development of a vaccine. Vaccine logistics were actually being developed way back uh, and were being honed down uh, to uh, such great detail, it was amazing. Uh, I, I mentioned to you about being involved with that phone call with the CDC and uh, others that are involved with government officials uh, on the line saying, look, uh, we need to begin start planning the logistics right now for the rollout. So, okay. Um, well, it was all in the game plan very early on, Scott. And uh, the exercises, the last major exercise that was done right after the Gates Foundation exercise was in uh, September of 2019. It was done by the Communist Chinese Party and their military uh, in Wuhan. Wow, amazing. Mm. Right, in, right there at Ground Zero at the lab is the largest military exercise that starts to enroll. You know, we had Vera Sharav on here uh, a year and a half ago. Um, year and a half ago? Yeah, well, two years ago now. Uh, we had her do one of our love gifts. And are you familiar with Vera Sharav? Yes. Yeah, so we, we interviewed her and, and she basically, long story short, she was a little girl who escaped the, the Holocaust. And now she is sounding the alarm about what she's seeing here. Mainly for the reason that you just described. The Communist Party uh, military is looking after a medical situation. And she says, when you see medical 
and military getting together, watch out, because that is what led to the Nazi regime and all that happened in World War II. So I, you know, we look at that and we say, okay, well, can, can this lead to, I mean, was this all just a big exercise or, uh, you know, was there really anything to this where we can look to the future and say, wow, they're planning on something even bigger? I mean, with your background and you see the progression of it so far, what do you think's coming next? Yes, and that excellent. When you talk about the military, <laughs> we're just one, when you start getting the military involved with it, Scott, we're just one step away. Uh, from what's next going well, to appear. Well, I remember when we were saying uh, that yes. the, the military would be involved in, in uh, vaccine rollout, and yeah. that created alarm bells with a lot of Americans, and I think yeah. they kind of backed off on that because they saw what was happening here, and there would be a mass backlash. Yes. But anyway. I was involved in, uh, matter of fact, our plans. We were later asked uh, to, just prior to the COVID pandemic, we were asked to help moderate exercises on military installations in the state of Texas, uh, joint reserve bases. And uh, we, we actually, they took our playbooks and what we had written on pandemic response, and they began drilling some of this down, but even a step further using military personnel. Like I said, they were probably, they backed off from that. I mean, it was bad enough FEMA came in, our federal, federal emergency management you know, agency came in, was actually being involved with, but a lot of this vaccine rollout support. But yeah, and the military, you begin looking at it. So, and that's exactly what happened in Wuhan, in China. Uh, the largest exercise in the nation, one of the largest exercises in the nation. So what they begin doing, again, a virus coming, a virus that breaks out uh, they're in Wuhan, and suddenly uh, they're dealing with things like medical surge capacity in the hospitals, hospitals over being filled to capacity with patients. Uh, they're talking about mass uh, fatality. Uh, they're talking about all of these deaths that are going to be occurring. Morgues are going to be stacking bodies like cordwood. Uh, they're talk about the exercise, even injects, dealing with uh, contact tracing investigations uh, and epidemiology, all the way down to uh, dealing with vaccine rollout. Yeah, again, vaccine rollout all seems to, to come in uh, to this picture. Largest exercise conducted in September of 2019. Hmm. And a lot of this, when it really came out and happened, was for show because I remember seeing the, uh, what was it, the, uh, the aircraft carrier in the New York Harbor or something like that and they'd set up this mobile hospital and all this and it was gonna be flooded with people and they never saw one patient. Exactly, you know, a lot, it, it, it was kind of the show and tell element, but you know, what is going on in China, just one step away, the next thing that unfolded is so interesting because uh, you begin looking at this timeline with the exercises unfolding, all these exercises from 2013, seven, eight years, moving ahead to right before the pandemic. And then suddenly this huge military exercise in China, right in Wuhan, okay? And then the month after that was the most interesting. Uh, we see that the 2019 Military World Games oh. are hosted. 
Hold that thought. Yes. Hold that thought. We've got to get into this. It's got to, you're going to have to hold that thought for a second because there's more detail to that that we can't put in the next couple of seconds here. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for supporting Shabbat Night Live. You brought Mark here to bring this incredibly important information. Information, obviously, we're not putting on YouTube. That's why it's here on the app. But we need you to give this information to other folks. And you can do that by your own. I mean, you can give this to information to other folks or you can support the ministry and we can get it to other people as well into the future. That's how this works. Thank you for doing it in the past. We're gonna give you a couple minutes now to do it so you can get this into the future. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. It was in this chair when we, I was doing a, an interview uh, for the Love Gift about a year and a half ago, two years ago, with Vera Sharav, as we mentioned earlier in this episode. If you have never seen that, you may wanna keep an eye on that when we bring it out every once in a while. Uh, to be available. It was uh, Vera Sharav talking about the world to come. That's what we called it. And it appears that her predictions came true. And uh, she said that when you put military and medicine together, watch out because that's how the Nazi regime took over. And so Mark, we were just talking about this before the break. And I told you to hold that thought. You're talking about some world military games. Uh, just recap this again, what, what, this, uh, what this was and what was it all about and where yeah. was it, all yeah. that. We're right on the, um, I, we, we had just talked about the, um, this massive uh, military exercise that was conducted right in Wuhan. Uh, it was all the, every rollout imaginable of their planning uh, for a pandemic and uh, run by the military. The military ran this like, like clockwork, everything down the, the line from the uh, lockdowns, the epidemiological contact tracing, uh, isolation and quarantine protocols, uh, to uh, med surge capacity in the local hospitals. Everything was being rehearsed. Uh, according to script, according to line there in September of 2019. And that came, you could probably say that that was the grand, uh, almost the grand conclusion of all the seven to eight years of exercises. It, it, it was basically the culmination of all this. So the very next month, what happens in October of 2019 is that, and you have to realize the timeline, uh, reports of SARS-CoV did not officially show up on our radar until December, early December 2019. Uh, we began hearing things on the news about some strange mystery uh, respiratory illness that was breaking out in China uh, not much more than that. Well, if you begin backtracking to what was happening uh, just before that. So October, the world military gains, uh, are, it's huge. 109 countries. God, these are military, trained military personnel from around the world, uh, service men and women, uh, including our own nation, United States of America are participating in the games. They're, they're like the Olympic, the, uh, the military version of the Olympics games. Okay. And uh, so here they are, 109 countries, uh, over 9,000 athletes. And they're gathering where? They're gathering right in Wuhan there. So the games are being held in yes. Wuhan, Wuhan a month yes. after 
this After other event. this huge military exercise. Hmm. So uh, they go through the games, uh, and uh, within a few days, many of the athletes, these athletes are in prime condition, many of these athletes, after returning back, they began experiencing these really strange respiratory symptoms. Some are relatively mild, like maybe a bad head cold. Others are more severe than, than others. And so the amazing thing about this, I mean, if it were just an isolated group individual, let's say if it were just the American service members, that'd be something else. But uh, again, this is in uh, more than what we heard 80% of those 109 nations that participate in these games suddenly start exhibiting these very strange symptoms, these respiratory symptoms. Well, interestingly enough, none of it is reported or tracked by CDC or World Health Organization. None of any of it is followed up. And why isn't there not a lot of, because when you have something, and, and, and my, my career, in disease outbreak epidemiology, Scott, years ago, was that if you have a significant event, you have like a Super Bowl or whatever it is, and you have a lot of people in a congregate setting and they go their separate ways, you begin doing the research there on the contact tracing. You begin looking at, okay, who were they with? What were they doing? What was going on? Nothing, none of that. And from an epidemiology standpoint, it's like, what is being deliberately ignored here after this incident? So the questions I, I began looking at, uh, because I began receiving some of these reports uh, from my background in epidemiology, began looking at it and began asking some questions here. What's going on in, in Wuhan? Hmm. And what did you conclude? Well, well, what were the thoughts going through your head anyway? <laughs> you know, I, I really believe that there need to be a lot more focus on the inside of the Wuhan lab, what was going on. But uh, investigative journalists like Sherry Markson, who wrote, did a remarkable job of writing about, uh, in, in her work, she is a Sky News uh she works for Sky News in Australia, a conservative, uh, began looking into also asking these same questions and noticed that uh, the area right here between October and November and December, there were these massive blackouts, not, not only uh, in information, uh, but also censorship, uh, doctors, physicians, and nurses, medical practitioners, if they said something or if they asked questions, they either disappeared or either they would discipline. And as a result of that, began looking at all this, that, that uh, there, there was also uh, what satellite data revealed, there was a, an, an incredible amount of traffic going in and out of Wuhan during this time. It wasn't just people showing up to go to the games. So their questions began, we began asking about what was going on in Wuhan? What was going on in the Wuhan lab? And the close proximity uh, to these world uh, military games uh, that are being conducted. Now remember, 
communist China is not going to be transparent <laughs> about any of it. This comes as no surprise to us. Uh, the communist Chinese are going to lie, they're going to cover up, and that is what their skill craft is in. And uh, any type of disclosures to media, any speculation is suddenly picked up by mainline media narratives. They follow the same line as communist Chinese uh, mm. uh, media information uh, uh, does as well. So, so with that, we began looking at, okay, did they deliberately release a virus? They've been experimenting, alpha beta coronaviruses, doing gain of function research way back to 2013. Uh, the time that I was involved uh, in doing the, these uh, global pandemic response exercises. So even back then with the, the rollout, so, uh, and now we began looking at what was going on? Was uh, there was an accident? Was there an accidental release of the of the, the virus? I don't believe so, Scott. I, I believe that being with what we know about the Wuhan lab, uh, being involved with bioweapons research, I think those military games with those nine thousand servicemen members that were there. I really believe that they were the guinea pigs for a grand experiment of a bioweapon release. And you had mentioned that in a previous uh, episode, where was it, uh, so was it Russia who, who developed this idea that the, the person, the, the, the person needed to be the, uh, the, the bomb or the seed, as it were, for, the, yeah, for a pandemic. Yeah. You couldn't attach it to a, to a rocket. For the delivery, the delivery, the delivery methods, system. Yeah. yeah, delivery systems, and later in the People's Liberation Army uh, document, their doctrine, core document called unconventional warfare, uh, that they talk about. Hey, what is the best way in order to begin weaponizing uh, to the delivery system that you say? Uh, and that's the two-legged human carrier. So, what a grand opportunity that we have. How convenient, all these military personnel that are gathered there, they're going back all around the globe and think about the timelines. Now we know that there were things going on in Wuhan, there were infections, evidently infections had spread there. Was that intentional? I believe very much so because of the fact the Communist Chinese Party, they're willing to sacrifice their own people in order to gain strategic advantage. They have no value on human life. Uh, they, that is not in, they don't have a, a, a code book of ethics that they regulate themselves by. Uh, we know that from uh, Mao's uh, bloody red revolution that came, uh, that thousands upon thousands of intelligentsia, uh, those that were, they felt were sympathetic to the imperial regime before the rise of communism, they were slaughtered. So, out of the playbook, the People's Liberation Army, unconventional warfare, guess what? We're going to take um, these service members, and even among the ranks of our own people, we're going to infect them, that they're carriers, they go back as carriers. That, that, is, that is my... 
I really firmly believe that that wasn't an accidental thing. It was done intentional, Scott. Mm. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because a little while ago, what was it, the, uh, the, the Beijing Olympics? Uh-huh, yeah. They were delayed for a year? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had heard as well, uh, my wife and I follow all this kind of thing quite carefully, and we had heard that that was going to be used for this very same purpose here, that they were purposely going to infect somehow the athletes coming from all over the world and that they would go back and carry it back to their countries, their home countries. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear that that's actually been done before, and I didn't realize that. Yes, yes, and, and again, uh, the best way to deploy a bioweapon through human carriers. We, we know that, as I mentioned in our earlier segments, uh, talking about that that is perhaps the, the most efficacious means hmm. of delivery, and suddenly they're showing up. Now, here's the other thing that's interesting, that uh, we know that there were, in fact, there were individuals in, in various nations that were seeing the infection you remember John Hopkins University had developed this very elaborate um, model showing where the outbreaks are taking place. They rolled it out in uh, late January 2020, early February 2020. And what it was is a global map. You could go to John Hopkins University online and show on the map where the outbreaks were occurring. And these little red dots, it's like looking at a global map. And you'd see, first of all, it looked like early 2020, it looked like these little red pinpoints, okay? Like, like a laser, a laser mm-hmm. pointer was showing up on the map somewhere. And suddenly those red dots, they became bigger, larger, and they multiplied. And suddenly it was like the whole global map mm-hmm. was filled up uh, with Uh, this outbreak with with the pandemic. Uh, And uh, it it was quite an incredible graphic. I had it actually on my desktop uh, when when I was working before I retired and was following, looking at that in amazement. But I said, you know, this had to actually start happening before 2020. You remember in January when there were talks about actually shutting down uh, the the airport travel from Beijing, from China, coming in the United States. Well, one thing I want to say that by then it was actually it was too late. Mm. The the bio package had already been deployed. I recall sitting in a it was in a twenty February of twenty twenty. I was actually uh, in a Super Bowl watching a Super Bowl game. It was the Chiefs they were playing. Uh, there in 2020, February. And I remember right before halftime, my phone starts lighting up like a Christmas tree. And I thought, okay, this is my work thing, only an emergency, you know, I was on call. And suddenly I am being called into conference meetings about um, passengers that were arriving from China Mm. uh, into the United States and what we were going to do. So I had suddenly everybody, I I missed the last, actually I came in, missed part of the game of that, but here it is, this rollout, and suddenly things are gearing up right then. Okay, what are we going to do? We have travelers from China. I really believe, Scott, that was all smoke and mirrors because 
the military games, all this was being, there was a pre-deployment of this virus mm. way before that. And just actually saying, hey, we're going to limit travelers and put travel bans in place. By then, no, it already been deployed, Scott. Mm. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I remember in 2020, we were at a gymnastics meet. My daughter was in college gymnastics. And we were traveling to, I think it was Alabama or someplace like this. And, and uh, one of the, uh, gymnastics dads had just got back from a business trip in China. And he missed the gymnastics meet because he had this strange ailment. He had a cold-like sim- cold like symptoms, uh, couldn't, couldn't taste or smell anything. We didn't know what it was. And so now we think back and gosh, you know, he was, might have been one of the first ones, first North yeah. Americans to travel there and bring it back. Yes, yes. And, you know, interestingly enough, I remember... Uh, in epidemiology and public health <clears throat> at the time, in early 2020, everybody was waiting with bated breath to say, okay, what's going to happen is that we're going to see a few isolated cases in our community. So bring out the pandemic response plans. We know what happens next. Epidemiologists, they call it global, they call it community spread. And when it gets to the point that a virus begins taking on a life of itself, where it mass replicates uh, beyond being able to contain. And that was in our pandemic response books that we had exercised over years. And suddenly we were seeing that. And I remember one of the epidemiologists saying that, hey, the next step progression of this, it could actually, we can't contain this it's going to go into what they call community-wide transmission, meaning that it's going to be beyond anything that we could ever contain. Now, speaking of the censorship, we only have about two minutes left here, but you've gone through these plans. You've created these types of plans. So is there anything in a bioterrorism uh, plan that would necessitate going dark, like you mentioned, like, like the communist Chinese did with their media? Is there any reason to go to, to you know uh, squelch panic or anything like that is there anything in that plan that would say normally we don't tell anybody anything we just try and figure it out without telling the public well there's a both and that you know that you mentioned public information officers are usually they were present in these exercises and one of the things that they came out said now we don't want to commute we don't want to create community panic we don't want to panic people out so But at the same time, we want to control what they call the disinformation that's coming out. Mm. We want to give them the credible, they call the the credible sources and media and give them the information that they just happened and they they need to hear. Mm. So controlled from the outset, censored, even though the official narrative may not be scientifically correct. Absolutely. Just to avoid panic. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Mark, can you stick around for one more episode? I think we've got some more important stuff to talk about. So Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Mark Fulmer. Thank you for bringing Mark here. It's from your donations that make this happen. And uh, we will see you again next week. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Have a good week. Shabbat Shalom.